Well, good afternoon and welcome to your American Heritage, baby. My name is Ed Bondarenka and my pronouns are we and the people and I am not your normal fluffy insurrectionist and producing the show the guy that answers your calls and tells me when to stop talking is the swiss army knife of radio derek stone derek hosts stone cold sports truth sundays at noon 30 right after my friend sean todd hosts the intersection at noon you know that's uh not your normal fluffy christian show so you should listen to both not to mention the whole Saturday lineup of Abolitionist Roundtable at 9 a.m., Trigger Talk at 11 a.m., and Moment of Clarity, which is right before this show at 1 p.m. And if you missed any, go to the podcast page at whamradio.com to catch up or share with your friends. Boost the signal. Your American Heritage is on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And you can subscribe, and I encourage you to because that's the least you can do, except for not doing anything at all. That's the very least you can do. It's day 738 of the coup, the hijacking of the American government by enemies, both foreign and mostly domestic. Our government has been stolen with the illegitimate and illegal actions of authoritarian activists who rigged elections by various means. And these gangsters have no regard for you or yours, only they and theirs. Their pronouns are me and mine. These leftists insist you agree to their twisted moral perspective. And then, and then they want you to pay the bill for it. They're alienating your children from you and their heritage as American citizens. This is spiritual warfare. It's good versus evil. We are at war. Okay, are you in the fight? As for fighting, Psalm 144 says, blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Please clasp your hands and your fingers. Let's pray. Let's go to war. Father, Please protect our nation and our state from these evil tyrants and please deliver us from these ungodly oppressors. Please reveal their intent to our neighbors and fellow citizens and show them the danger we find ourselves in. Please lead and guide the American people in the days to come in resistance to these efforts and please give us righteous representatives in government. Please restore goodness and morality to the governance of our nation and our state. Amen. Now, last week, we talked to Professor Kevin Slack of Hillsdale College. Joining me in the first half of the show today is Dr. Michael Reckenwald, author of The Great Reset, The Struggle for Liberty. Dr. Michael Reckenwald is the author of 12 books, including Thought Criminal and Beyond Woke. He is a distinguished fellow at Hillsdale College, so this is going to become the Hillsdale Hour eventually. He was a professor of liberal studies and Global Liberal Studies at New York University. is also taught at Duke University. He's been around. Welcome to the show, Michael. Great to be here, Ed. Great to be here, Ed. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. Now, we recently saw the convocation at Davos where Blofeld and the other agents of Spectre were planning to take over the world. I'm, I'm sorry, I meant Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. So you just came out with this book, why don't you tell us the premise of the book, and um, then we can continue to talk. Sure. Um, so this great reset, which has been inaugurated by the World Economic Forum uh, and Klaus Schwab, who's the founder and chair of the Economic, World Economic Forum, uh, this is about the uh, global central planners attempting to control the world economy and social life and uh, political life uh, using uh, this scheme they call stakeholder capitalism 
This is planners getting into the corporations themselves. Instead of trying to plan the economy from the state, they are trying to do it through the corporations themselves. And uh, this is a, a very well-wrought and uh, quite extensive plot that is already underway. And uh, this is why, you know, we see these control freaks from Davos, these megalomaniacs, issuing these edicts, and then they seem to come to fruition because they have the whole corporate establishment on their side. Uh, and uh, the reason, uh, the premise is, you know, that this is a very serious and significant threat to liberty, uh, to the free market, uh, to individual self-determination, and to faith, because they also believe they are godlike. And they want to be like God. They said this straightforwardly in their treatises about transhumanism. Uh, and so this is what we're up against. And uh, the, I wrote the book in order to combat it. Excellent. I appreciate that. I, I, I like to see books that uh, bring together the story in a, in a timeline and in a way that makes it understandable. For instance, uh, last week we had on um, uh, David Horowitz and... Uh, he did something similar in his latest book. And I've noticed in your bio that, like David Horowitz, you are a former Mar Marxist. Uh, Absolutely, yes. What I was am your... a former Marxist who, like Horowitz, came to my senses. I had the scales of their ideology forcibly removed from my eyes. And I thank them for that because I was able to see clearly. And, uh, yeah, I was on the side of the of, of evil, really, when it comes down to it, because these people, uh, they they take this very seriously, and they mean to impose this system on us without our consent whatsoever. Yeah, I was a Marxist, but I when I started to criticize the social justice creed at the university at New York University, uh, the whole administration and faculty came down on me like a ton of bricks and uh, basically made my life completely impossible there. So I left uh, New York University and became an independent scholar. And I've been fighting against uh, this for six years now. Excellent. So you mentioned the scales removed from your eyes, so it, it's kind of like you had a Damascus Road incident, if you follow my drift. Uh, Absolutely. What led you? Go ahead. Yeah, I absolutely had a Damascus moment. Um, you know, I mean, since, uh, you know, I, I really appreciated the prayer you began with, uh, the program with here. Uh, so, you know, these, I was a member of the left. I was on the left, and um, I criticized some things that were going on, the safe spaces and the trigger warnings and the bias reporting hotlines and the no platforming of speakers. Uh, that was going on on campus, and uh, I, I said that it was uh, totalitarian. And boy, did they prove me right, because they came down on me, accused me of wrong things, literally called me guilty for my thoughts, uh, forced me into a leave of absence, uh, stripped me of my classes, eventually moved my office to the Russian department, and put me in my own personal gulag of sorts. Uh, so... With this, I just was traumatized out of believing that these people meant any good. 
had any goodwill, and what they were were totalitarians. I saw the totalitarianism come forth, and I realized that this was a totalitarian regime that these people favored, and I saw this also, uh, you know, spreading out to the whole society from from academia, from from the universities, and uh, I wanted to get to the bottom of it. I wanted to understand what this what this regime was about, what they were trying to do, and so I've written five books on that. This latest being the one that really names the names and gets down to business about uh, exactly what their what their agenda is about. Once again, excuse me. Once again, the title of your book is "The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty: Unraveling the Global Agenda." So, I'll be frank. I mean, I've heard of uh, Agenda Twenty One and then Agenda Thirty. Uh, listening to Dave Janda and uh, Theron Hughes talk about it in the past, uh, I was a little bit dismissive of it about 10, 15 years, well, 10, 11 years ago. It was like mm, that's kind of out there. Now, you know, I must repent of my sins. They were actually very prophetic in their views. And um, I believe you've been on Dr. Janda's show, although somehow or other I missed it. Um, so this global agenda, when do you when did you see this starting? Um, I started I started to see after I, you know, analyzed the social justice movement in the universities and academia, then I spread out to looking at it at in big tech and then corporate America, and then, you know, as we see now, this has infiltrated the, the state. It's, it's infiltrated all the state departments and uh, the military and uh, the school system and so forth. And so I saw it, you know, probably around 2017 and 18, and I started to realize this was the ruling order of the day. This was not just some blue-haired kids on campus. This was the ruling classes, or the ruling elites, I'd, I'd rather say, the ruling elites' uh, ideology and their belief system. So I had touched the third rail at, at NYU, I realized. And so I began searching out what, what in fact, who are these elites. Yeah, and tw- Agenda 2030 is very much a part of this. In fact, the Great Reset is, an attempt on a part of the World Economic Forum in conjunction with its corporate partners to bring Agenda 2030 to fruition. Uh, they, uh, the World Economic Forum signed, a, signed an agreement with the UN to accelerate ex- Agenda 2030's sustainable development goals. So Agenda 2030 is a real thing, and in fact, almost all the major corporations and banks are on board with it. Uh, they have said this straight up. Uh, the UN's principles for responsible investment, principles for uh, responsible banking, these are all signed on to, and they're all about uh, uh, accelerating the adoption of Agenda 2030's sustainable development goals. Uh, so there's no... Uh, you know, there's, yeah. No, go ahead, please. I'm sorry. So there's no secret about this. It's just, it's all there. All you have, to, all I had to do was uncover it and show you and show what this agenda is and what it amounts to, what the implications are of this. Uh, the implications are very significant. Uh, we're talking about the abrogation of our individual rights, uh, our property rights, 
uh, in our self-determination entirely. So exactly, you know, I, I, I mentioned, you know, Blofeld and Spectre because it's always, I mean, the Schwab is a Bond villain, you know, and, and yeah. uh, you know, Davos is just like, it was always something you heard about, you know, uh, oh, they're meeting in Davos, they're meeting in Davos. It's like, oh, that's interesting. All these rich people are meeting in Davos and uh, how nice. And then after the coronavirus, it's like they're meeting in Davos and you start finding out, you read about the world, you go to their forum, uh, weforum.org, and right. it, they spell out their agenda. It's nothing hidden. It's nothing secret. It's no conspiracy theory. Uh, for instance, uh, and right on this page, I mean, COP15, what's next for historical deal to protect nature? Three solutions helping net zero aviation take off. And, all, you know, all of their uh, um, plans for what they want to do to us, not do for us. Yes, this is all about subjecting us to these, to their demands, to their desideratum. And they demand that we, you know, Klaus Schwab said every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil, gas to tech must be transformed. We need a reset of capitalism. And so this is what they're doing. And what it means is that they have infiltrated, so they have basically signed on thousands of corporate sponsors to, uh, to, to this Agenda 2030 through the Great Reset. That's exactly what it is. Klaus Schwab is like a quarterback on the field, call, you know, executing the plays. These plays are being called down from the World Bank, the International uh, Monetary Fund, uh, the uh, European Central Bank, and uh, the major investment uh, asset managers in the world. Uh, this is not, this is not, as you said, this is no conspiracy theory. This is a fact. And uh, I've just documented this in great detail. And then it comes to the transhuman agenda that they have in mind for us, uh, not only a total surveillance state, where all this technology is used to control all of our behavior, but also they see it as possibly eradicating our free will. Uh, Yuval Harari, who is an advisor to Klaus Schwab and an Israeli historian, has said the free will is, is history. It's, a, it's, it's, it's gone. It's, 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 it doesn't exist. It won't exist when we can basically control people through algorithms. And he's also said that... Uh, Jesus Christ uh, is, is fake news, uh, and that the religions of the world will be replaced by religions stemming from Silicon Valley. These are all things that have been blatantly said by these people. And Yuval Harari has a book called Homo Deus, in which, you know, the title should tell you everything. He believes that human beings will become God, and only a particular segment of human beings, the elite, and the rest of us will be under their control. Yeah, I was looking, I had an audio clip of Yuval Harari. It's very, very disturbing the things he had to say. And, uh, you know, we look at some people as uh, uh, heroes these days, like the famous African-American Elon Musk, you know, because of what he did with Twitter. But yet Elon Musk is very much involved in this uh, transhumanism and the upgrade of humanity through uh, cybernetic means, so to speak. It's like, um, I'm trying to think of the other guy's name with the, the singularity. 
Greg Kurzweil. Thank you, exactly. Yes, exactly. And uh, it's a very scary thing to think that uh, we would merge our souls with a machine. I mean, we look at that in fiction, it becomes the Borg, and they're the right. bad guys. And uh, all of a sudden, they're trying to make the Borg look like the good guys. You know, Absolutely. along those lines in, in culture, yeah, it surprises me that, oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they, they are collectivists who want to turn us into a Borg, a cyborg machine, uh, machine-human hybrid. Uh, and, you know, the technologies are actually already developed to do this. So it's not like I'm making this up. This is not science fiction. Uh, these technologies have been developed, brain cloud interfaces, which would connect your brain directly to the cloud and therefore would make your brain contents accessible to a central database. And likewise, they could uh, actually input into your brain direct commands or through algorithms. So all of this is very much... Uh, it's all, it's all very much on the table. This technology is already developed. Now, the question is whether we, uh, whether we adopt this, whether we take this. And they're going to use a bait-and-switch routine to try to get us to do this. First of all, with the environment, they're trying to scare us into uh, this, I call it climate change catastrophism, into believing that the world is in this imminent danger of being destroyed through uh, carbon dioxide and other uh, so-called greenhouse gases. I take this science on directly. It is totally bogus. It's fraudulent, and it's a, it's a, a complete uh, diabolical lie. It's a lie. Uh, I will say that straight up. I've studied the science, and I have a background in the history of science. So I can say that without any um, hesitation. And then with the technologies, they're going to try to bait us into believing that we could become superhuman, but it's really a bait and switch routine because they want us to basically be under their control, uh, you know, using uh, CBDC, central bank digital currencies, digital identity, uh, the Internet of Bodies, uh, brain cloud interfaces, and uh, on and on. Just a whole bunch of technologies that would put us under total surveillance and even possible remote control, and this is what they envision. It's a, it's a scary, scary thought. Um, do you, I mean, when I look at some of the stuff that's going on, it's, it's overwhelming. Now, we know that uh, in, in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there, you know, the remnant faced overwhelming odds uh, many times and called out to God. And uh, even the uh, patriots that founded this country, uh, they were a small force against a large empire. And yet they formed an appeal to heaven. And that's why I pray at the beginning of my show. I, I frankly believe that the only way out of this is with God's intervention. But people are going to have to call out to God for intervention. Do you see any mechanism by which we overcome the deep state with the, the uh, intel community uh, being one with the, the media companies and, and uh, manipulating what we see and hear so that basically it's, I mean, this radio station, for one, is one of the few outlets that can actually get out unchallenged challenged for now. Yeah, I mean, I do. I have a I have a nine point plan called the Grand Refusal for countering and resisting this Great Reset. And you you mentioned the word that I think is really pivotal here. That is the word remnant. And what we what we can hope for at least is a remnant who will 
resist this onslaught of totalitarianism coming from what you call the deep state or the, uh, you know, the entire establishment really is what it is. Uh, and I think it is very much, is very much the question of whether you will be among the remnant or not. I think that's really the answer. And so I'm talking about keeping a remnant alive and how to do so, how to stay out of their grip, cutting the puppet strings from yourself. This is the key. It isn't about necessarily saving the planet from these people. We don't know whether they will win. And the question is whether we survive it and whether we pass on a legacy to the future, a remnant that survives this onslaught. And, of course, you talk about this in, in your book, which uh, just came out, in, uh, let's see, it's still January, came out this month. Yeah, The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty, Unraveling the Global Agenda. So uh, it's, it's good to have tools like that to see, you know, how we got there, how we got to where we are, where we are, and how we can get out of here. And uh, I, I appreciate you putting that together. Uh, having Having the... Oh, I, the the voice out there, uh, you know, and you're involved with Hillsdale too. Uh, is that right? Right. Yes, I am. I'm a distinguished scholar at Hillsdale, starting this year. Started in January. It's like one of the bastions, one of the bastions of our battle are places like Hillsdale or certain organizations like uh, Salt and Light Global or or the different uh, organizations like Great Lakes Justice Center. That are that are standing up for people's rights because we have to battle, we have to battle for our rights, and it's going to be a one-on-one -on -one battle. It's going to be uh, uh, effectively a lot of times in courtrooms, and then it's going to be in people's living rooms too, and on their porches. We have to, if you want to get people to vote differently or to react differently to what's going on around them, you need to inform them and you need to change them. You need to have yeah. them have that Damascus Road moment where they realize, wow. I'm headed the wrong way. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to we need to fight the the ideology that they're purveying, which is, you know, called it's been called wokeness or woke ideology. And uh, I go into that too. I talk about what this is, what the function of this wokeness is about, what they're trying to do with it. It didn't come out of the it didn't it wasn't a grassroots thing. It's actually been perpetrated by the elites. Uh, in order to sort of uh, make the masses believe that they're unworthy of their rights and their property and their way of life and their freedom, uh, that they are unworthy and that, that it's always been a function of so-called privilege. And likewise, it can be revoked. So we need to fight this as an ideological battle on the ground, too, uh, with this in our homes, exactly, because our, we'll see family members and we probably already have, fallen for this. And we've seen churches fall for this. We've seen churches succumb to what I call social justice or woke Christianity, exactly. which is not Christianity Dr. Michael Reckonwald, we've run to the end of this segment. Thanks for joining us. I'd like to have you back in the near future. I appreciate your effort. And uh, folks, come back for the second half of Your American Heritage. We were made to be courageous.
We were made to lead the way We could be the generation That finally breaks the chains We were made to be courageous We were made to be courageous We were warriors on the front lines Standing unafraid Thanks for returning to your American Heritage, baby. I'm your host, Ed Bondarenka. And uh, I want to say, before we get to our next guest, uh, speaking of courageous, our next guest is very courageous. We just heard an advertisement for Four Winds Church with Pastor Jeff Noble, a friend of ours. And I don't know if you know this or not, but People in Milan Federal Penitentiary are listening to this station. And Pastor Noble got a call recently um, from, not a call, but a letter from an inmate who was blessed by listening to the broadcast on Sunday mornings of uh, Pastor Noble's preaching. And so I just wanted to tell you, this station, this station has an effect on the community, even the community you do not expect. Now, uh, Joining me next is a guest who, the first time I heard this man speak, uh, this is what I heard. Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Get out of this property. Immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property. Immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property. Now, I'm sure you know we're talking about Pastor Arthur Pulowski. And when I first heard that a couple of Easter's ago, Pastor Arthur was chasing the police out of his church for daring, daring to invade the uh, sanctuary, a place of, of uh, uh, respite uh, from, from the world, a place where people go to worship God. And uh, to have the police come in and want to take him away because they were breaking COVID rules for what we know now is a... Uh, uh, I don't know. It should be criminal. So, Pastor Arthur, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. So, I was listening to a podcast of uh, Professor William Wagner last night, and uh, he was mentioning that you were having a new legal challenge. Do you want to first bring up some of our listeners briefly to speed on, on how you got where you are? A quick summary? Well, my problems, if you will, challenges with authority started in 2005 when Canadian government declared that feeding the homeless is now a criminal offense. I received tickets. Uh, I was arrested. I was arrested for organizing, um, you know, illegal gatherings um, when we fed the poor and we were preaching the gospel. And that triggered an ongoing 10-year war. I was arrested for publicly reading Bible in 2006. Anyway, in 2015, I won my over 100 court cases and over 300 tickets, and at that time, 11 arrests. And the government left me alone until the invisible enemy showed up at the beginning of 2020. I feed thousands of people on the streets of Calgary three times a week. We go out, and three times a week, we have a church services in the building. And the government sent me a letter saying I have to stop feeding the poor because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I, I just replied to them, well, if we're truly in the middle of this crisis, my services are needed more than ever. 
What do you think is going to happen when you're going to shut down the shelters and stop feeding those people? We are talking about 15 to 20,000 individuals roaming the streets of our city, uh, and they will turn into a life, you know, lifestyle of violence. They will break into homes, cars, garages. They're going to whack your mother's head to get a few bags to buy food. We need to keep feeding them. Of course, the mayor was not interested in what I have to say. The, I appealed it to the premier of Alberta and to his ministers. They would not even reply to me. So the next thing I saw was the police officers, health inspectors, bylaw services, um, threatening me with arrest and over a million dollars worth of tickets. So I became the first recipient, if you will, of the COVID ticket in the country. They did a big splash all over the news, and then the police started to show up on a regular basis um, for the year of 2020. The culmination was when the government canceled the Christmas celebration, and when I fed the poor and we had gifts for the homeless, and we did caroling, because caroling was also prohibited by law, I had over 100 police officers, 52 police cars, SWAT team, and the chief of police showing up, and they came bearing gifts. I end up with 15 more COVID tickets. So that's 2020. 2021, they started to invade us inside our building, and that's where the video comes from. Uh, first, they blocked our driveway. Then they took pictures of our women and children, and then eventually they entered illegally against the Criminal Code of Canada, Section 176 of the Criminal Code of Canada that prohibits them to do that. But, of course, the COVID era shows us the Constitution was out the window, criminal justice system out the window. It was lawlessness and the pure tyranny, lie-chasing lies. So when I saw them invading illegally, invading our holy place, I had only one thing to tell them, get out. This is not the time or a place to have a discussion. And they wanted to talk, they wanted to have a debate. No, I was preparing for a sermon. Uh, people started to come. The worship leaders were preparing for the, for the worship, and I just kicked them out. And it, as you know, it took me over 30 times to tell them to get out. Eventually they leave, and they came back with a vengeance. SWAT team uh, came back, I was ticketed, I was charged criminally for inciting people to commit acts of violence. Um, I was charged with inciting people to come to um, illegal gathering. I was charged with criminal um, officiating an illegal gathering, participating in illegal gathering, not wearing a muzzle, all kinds of stuff. They started to pile on me, and I ended up in trouble back and forth before the court. Then the truck convoy showed up. I was arrested during that time five times and charged over 40 times during the COVID tyranny. And then the truck convoy showed up. By the way, today is the anniversary of the Canadian truck convoy that I was part of. I was called the Canadian pastor and the freedom pastor. So they asked me to conduct a church services for the truck convoy, which I gladly did. And it was for that daring to organize church services for the farmers, Canadians, for the truckers, that ultimately I was charged as the first and only Canadian with a terrorism charge, I call it, in, 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 um, interfering with the crucial infrastructure 
under the Defense Act and mischief over 5,000 and a breach of probation, which um, if they want to go all the way, um, has 10 and a half years of imprisonment. Ultimately, I was arrested by SWAT team, as you know, in the middle of the highway, coming mm-hmm. from the rallies, and then in the end, in front of my house, a SWAT team showed up with detectives and the RCMP officers. RCMP is like American FBI. I was interrogated for hours, stripped naked, taken to a solitary confinement, placed in metal cages, psych ward, solitary, max spot for the most dangerous offenders in the province of Alberta, and ultimately my bail was denied. The Crown Prosecutor um, is charging me with causing Canadian economy over $400 million worth of damages, and he's criminalizing my church service. Uh, uh, The latest uh, news from the Crown is, his name is Stephen Johnston. He said that he doesn't need any witnesses. What I said is criminal in nature. He's criminalizing my church service. That's how serious this story is. And I'm facing my trial after spending 50 days in prison, in solitary confinement. I am facing my trial this coming Thursday. Okay. Um, for one thing, we saw that in in communist Soviet Russia, when it went communist, the first thing to go was the church because you cannot have competition when you have a state religion, you cannot have, even even uh, when this uh, nation was founded, you couldn't have uh, competition for the state church. You had to be part of the Church of England. And that was part of our, our revolution in this country was to get freedom of religion so you could have a different basis of faith than, than the state dictates to you. And in a socialist regime such as uh, Castro's kid has there in Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau, it's, it's a socialist dream, so to speak. And under socialism, it's the government's job to feed the poor. So basically, you were placing yourself and your faith in competition with the government. Is that a, is that a, is that a reasonable assembly? Uh, assembly? Well, 100%, as you can tell, I am a Polish immigrant. I grew up behind the Iron Curtain under the boots of the Soviet. That's exactly what the problem is, they are wanna be modern day pharaohs. And the rest of us, well, we are simply their slaves. You will own nothing, you will be eating crickets, and you will be happy. While at the same time, and you witnessed that in Davos just a few days ago, uh, over a thousand private planes came. They will be flying private planes, driving their SUVs, eating Alberta's best beef, while you will be starving as their slave. That ultimately, where we're heading unless people rise up and stand up. And that's exactly what I said, because you've got to remember, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I saw the solidarity movement with Lech Wałęsa. I saw the power of the millions of Polish people taking it to the streets. It was no violent. It was no guns and swords. It was simply people that were sick and tired of the tyranny that went to the streets and they said, enough is enough. We, we refuse to cooperate. We refuse to work for the tyrants. And of course, we know how that story ended. It collapsed the biggest empire on earth, and Poland had its first democratic um, uh, you know, um, ability to vote for their leaders in 1989. And I witnessed all of that um, with my own eyes. The election finally came back. 
and people were able to choose who is going to who is going to uh, rule over them. So now when I speak, I don't speak because I read the book. I don't speak because I watched uh, and I saw a good television uh, show. I lived through it, and I'm telling you, we can do this. There is power. There is power when people come together and unite. And it is a competition. They want to be gods, just like the Pharaoh was, just like Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be worshipped, and he wanted you to worship his golden image. It was like during the time of Daniel when you were not allowed to pray because the government said so. And today we are witnessing the same scenario. The government is telling us what we can and what we cannot do. But you see, the Bible is telling us a totally different story. We are to feed the poor, take care of the orphans and the widows. We are to stand up and have Lord's Supper and sing praises to our God because He is the the God. Um, The government is... We call them the servants, and they've lost that even they lost the ability to understand what that even means. They are tyrants, and they should be charged with treason because they have betrayed the mandate that they received from the people. So you're absolutely right. It is a competition between the real God and the idols. Those people are power hungry. They want to control every aspect of your life. And here comes a pastor that is telling them, no, my job is to feed the poor. My job is to keep the church open. And my job is to tell you where your place is. You're not God. So back off, get out. Get out, get out. I've heard you say that famously, that's great. You know, being from Poland, and I remember the solidarity movement, they, there was a big component of the Catholic church in that movement, was there was a big Christian, uh, um, oh my goodness, uh, uh, motion in there. Even though it was a, we consider the Catholic Church these days is like uh, Pope Francis and kind of a liberal church. In Poland, it was a different deal, right? And these people were, were motivated with Christianity to join together. Is that correct? 100%. I remember seeing a groups of thousands of people taking it to the streets with cross. And of course, cross was a symbol of Christianity, and it was unacceptable for the communists, because as you know, socialists and communists do not believe in God. They want you to worship them as God. So uh, they crushed with a fury. Thousands were arrested, but people kept coming, and they kept bringing the cross. you got to also remember that the revolution, which was peaceful revolution under the Solidarity Movement, was conducted or started, if you will, in the churches. In the churches we were meeting, in the churches where people were planning uh, their next move and their next step, it was in the churches where the people uh, were uh, given hope for the next day because it was horrible. It was like a horror movie, you know, being watched from inside out. It was, it was horrible. Corruption at the highest level, bribery at the highest level. You could be arrested for just possessing a pamphlet that was not approved by the Communist Party. You could go to prison for five years if you dared to listen to a European radio. It was horrible. It was a horror movie. However, in 1980, Polish people stood up. In 81, uh, we saw millions joining, and it took just a few more years for the Communists to collapse, and Poland became a democratic country once again. And that's what they're afraid of. You see, the Church has the power 
a mandate, if you will, from God to fight for freedom. you got to remember that Jesus was the biggest freedom fighter ever lived on this side of eternity. He died for our freedom. He says, who comes to me is free indeed. And I quite often tell the people, even when I was uh, touring the United States of America, I said to the people, if you want your liberty, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Bring God back to your country. Bring God back to the United States. Bring God back to Canada. And when He shows up, He shows up with His liberty, with His freedom. And that's what I preach. That's what I tell people. It's not up to the villains. It's not up to the government to give us freedom. Freedom has been given to us by God. We are all equally created by our living creator of heavens and the earth. And who those people are, I mean, my message to them is, who do you think you are, you uncircumcised Philistine, that you should defy the armies of the living God? What is going to happen to them is what happened to Goliath. And we're going to use their own swords their own devices, the educational system, the media, and that's what we're doing right now, the political sphere. I started to run for political office. Election is in May. I threw my name there because I realized no one is coming to save us. God is asking us to go out there and save the people. So I uh, was elected the leader of the Independence Party here in Alberta, and I'm running for the position of premier of, um, of this province in May. And we'll be up to the people and up to God what they want. But we got to engage. we got to be vocal. we got to yell and scream from the rooftops, get out, your evil, wicked Nazis. You know, people criticized me at that time, not, not anymore, because now they understand what I was trying to tell them, that I call those people Nazis and Gestapo, because they do not understand that the Gestapo was the Nazi political police. During the COVID era, they were no longer... Uh, peace officers, they were Gestapo, they were political police, enforcing laws of corrupted Nazis, not the laws of the land. And I saw that in the United States, I saw that in Canada, I saw that in Poland. Those people have total disregards to the law and order, to the Constitution, to the criminal code. All of that was thrown out. So we got to remind them, we the people, got to remind them that, first of all, there is a living God that watches and judges everyone, and also that we, the people, are rising up and we are simply saying, no, we will not cooperate, we will not work for you anymore. We want our country back. And my message to the people is this. If you don't want to do it for yourself, I get that. Some people think they're too old and whatever, not qualified. But I'm telling you, rise up for the sake of your children and your grandchildren because what I know about the villains is a simple truth. They will never stop. They're like cancer that is spreading left and right. They need to be cut, cut out of our society. And again, I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about replacing them, taking them, removing them from the places of authority and replacing them with good people, with neighbors, with people that actually would work for the people, not against the people. You know, it's interesting. I just watched on uh, Amazon Prime just a few days ago with my wife, we were watching the uh, a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It was rather well done. And of course, Bonhoeffer comes to mind in any discussion of standing up to a, as a Christian to a corrupt government that is trying to subjugate the people and what what should be done and what Christians should do. And I think primarily we need to pray. 
We need to join together in prayer, but we also need pastors like yourself standing up, telling their congregation, hey, this is this is what's going on. Instead of siding or keeping their mouths shut, hoping that it'll all go away or it will all be good or that the government, we're supposed to, according to Romans, we're supposed to submit to the government. It doesn't work like that, right? Of course, Romans 13 is um, not even understood by the church because of the propaganda. The evil wants you to submit to evil. But in the Bible, I just do not find that. In the Bible, I see Daniel breaking the law by simply doing what God called him to do, which is to pray. Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego. They could bow like the rest of the nations, and we would never hear about them, but they chose to stand up. And they were high in high positions of power, and yet they risked everything, their careers and their lives. Off they went to the fire. But you see, it's in the fire that God deals with your enemies. In the fire, he shows up to set you free. In the fire, you have a testimony that this world desperately needs. And in the fire is your promotion. So instead of running away from difficulties, away from the fire that purifies us, we should run towards the fire. Because the world is watching and the world is depressed, suicidal, and hooked on drugs. And who is going to bring them the message of the gospel, which is the message of hope to those people, if not the church? This is a great testing, shaking, if you will. God is separating the sheep from the wolves and the sheep from the goats, the chaff from the wheat. This is a great time of separation. God is looking for the real deal. So the question is, are you the real deal. How do you know if you are? Well, by the fruits, you shall know them. People come to me and say, I'm willing to die for Jesus. No, you're not, because you're not even willing to live for Jesus. You know, pastors were scared to their death because the government threatened them with a ticket. Can you imagine a ticket? (laughs) While apostles are writing, you know, 11 out of 12 were martyred, uh, murdered, by the, by the authorities, uh, chopped in pieces, boiled alive, uh, hanged upside down. I mean, don't you read the Bible that when, that when they hated Jesus, they, they're going to hate you as well. They persecuted me. They will persecute you. You see, we got to stand up on the word of God by faith. And look what they did to me. Over 340 citations, 16 arrests. Over 100 court cases. Still, I'm facing my biggest case ever. Do you see me depressed, suicidal? Oh, poor me? No. This is the greatest opportunity that God has ever given me during my lifetime. This is my time to shine. This is my time to yell and scream. My God is bigger than your God. That idols will fall. That my God has given a smooth stone to David. A boy is going to give it to me as well. My God is bigger. You see, I already won. The enemy just doesn't know it. The enemy was not notified yet. They're digging pits and building a gallow for us, but they were hanged on their own devices. Watch. You will see. This is a, uh, we have been judged. The whole world was judged, but we are moving into the wrath of God. Watch the enemies. You will see what God will do with our enemies. This is a great purification time. And I hope that you stay on the right side of history on the right side of this uh, equation, because God is looking for his mighty men. Man, I hate to ask you to stop talking. I want to pray for you quickly. We have 30 seconds. Father, I ask you to to protect 
I ask you to watch over Pastor Archer in his trial this Thursday. I ask you to watch over both our nations and deliver us and motivate us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Archer. Amen. Folks, come on back next week. Moment of her uh, moment of heresy, my goodness. <laughs> Your American heritage. See ya.